This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Corbett Durand, and today I've got a mixed martial artist with me. He's actually fought for the big three promotions operating right now. He's fought for the UFC, he's fought for PFL, and he currently fights in Bellator. He's featherweight and fellow Canadian, Jeremy Kennedy. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Awesome to have you on, buddy. We spoke uh, briefly after your last fight. Damn good fight at that. Congratulations on the win. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I want to go over a little bit of your mixed martial arts journey, but before I get into that, uh, I just want to say you looked like a very different fighter in your last fight against Sanchez than you did against Boric. Yes, very true. That is, uh, I took that loss and um, kind of feel like I beat myself. And just strictly on stri- like strategic fight game planning, how the fight played out, I'm not necessarily like uh, skill for skill. I just I fought the wrong fight and I kind of got caught up in a in a different style of game plan and I never really felt in danger. But I was losing the fight on the scorecards, you know. And I it, it took a loss like that to to really change my mindset in these fights. And I got to I got to no matter what win these rounds on top of winning the fight. You know, like winning the fight, of course, but each individual round counts as its own little fight. So uh, I really, I, I had the, the mindset of I was fighting three five-minute fights that night against Sanchez, and uh, I won all three fights. <laughs> and 30-27, uh, uh, you can't complain with that. But just moving forward, that's the same way, and not, not trying to preserve any kind of energy or save my gas tank for the later rounds or anything like that. It's just blitz it. Three five-minute fights. Yeah, I mean, I've been following mixed martial arts from the very beginning. I'll be honest, I never saw your fights in the PFL, but I did see you fight in the UFC. And I've seen every one of your fights in Bellator. And to be entirely honest, the fighter I saw against Bassett was one style of fighter. And again, that might have just been a result of the competition. I think you were just, you overmatched him, really. Yeah. And then the fight against Bortz, again, completely different fighter. And then a fight against Sanchez different fighter and the one thing that's similar though in the Boric and Sanchez fight is that when you did close distance when you did grapple you had the advantage 100 percent yeah it surprised me that at the end of the first round against Boric where you did your your best damage in the last 30 seconds really yep where you had him pressed up against the cage and you were feeding him rights basically and there's nothing he could do about it yeah that not only did you come out standing and striking again, but your corner suggested you come out stand and strike again. I know it. 
one of those things that we, we, we kind of learned as a team that like, Hey, I, I, I have an A game. I have a game that a lot of guys are going to struggle with. It's a game that a lot of people don't have answers for in the gym or, or in the cage. I have, you know, especially guys, my size and my weight, and I just have to use it. And I always have to, uh, really force these guys to deal with that. And, and Boric's, I, I think he kind of, he got lucky in the sense of he didn't have to worry about that pressure because I kind of took off the gas pedal in the second round. And, yes. and it was just one of those things that I, I got caught up in a, in a striking match and it wasn't a very hard, fast paced striking match. And the time was just kind of eluding. And then at the end of it, the bell's ringing and I, I'm like, Oh crap. Like it, it's the fight's over. I kind of ran out of time on that. And, uh, yeah, we learned our lesson and I came out and made a statement the next one, you know, really showing, hey, that's a f- number four ranked guy, a guy who's fought for the title and Sanchez and everyone is scared of his submissions off of his back and, and everything. And I and I went in there and I, I went right into it and uh, he didn't have an answer for that, you know. So I, I just I think I set a statement to the rest of the division like. Oh crap! When this guy brings his A game, we gotta we got something to worry about, you know. That's a huge statement because Sanchez is no joke. Sanchez is legit, and his jiu-jitsu is top shelf. Yeah. So he was extremely busy from the bottom. You talk about a guy that's difficult to to wrap up. He's difficult to wrap up, and you kept him under control for a full fifteen minutes. So that's yeah. got to say a lot to everybody else in the division. And looking at that division, of course, you got McKee on top. Maybe he should be considered the best pound for pound right now when it comes to actual fighters and mixed martial arts. But you got McKee on top. They've got Boric at number two. Do you think he deserves to be there? Because a lot of that's based on his win over you. And to me, it wasn't that impressive of a win. Exactly. Hey, that's. It, it, it's kind of cool that they value that that high, that, uh, you know, a win over me. And I think even the week after the fight, like the next ranking update, he was tied with Mads. But because of the win I, I just had, it kind of valued his win higher. Correct. And uh, it, 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 it kind of sorted him and Mads out. And I think he was, yeah, now he's the one above that. Honestly, hey, it's it's cool that they, they value that. But exactly, if you watch that fight, I did not fight my my style or like myself at all and he he barely edged it out you know it's i had round one on all scores cards and round three was fair it, it, it came down to a pretty close round near the end correct i think if i would have even wrestled a third more i think that shit that that whole fight changes and uh so to me hey that's okay i'll, I'll give him that win and i i like that you know bellator's keeping him highly touted I, that means he's going to be sticking around for a while at that top of the division and I'm going to see him again. You know, that's that's a fight very high up on my list. I don't think Bellator is going to give it to me right now. But knowing that I want it, and every time I get a microphone, I'm going to I'm going to say that I want it. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Eventually, it's it's going to come back. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I like the way the division is shaping up. To be honest. Uh, yeah. Pico's win over Gonzalez was impressive, but that was a big step up for Gonzalez. Yeah. Carvalho's win over Vichel, great win. Some great striking, you know, highlighted by Carvalho. So that was that was nice, right? I mean, it, it's a good-looking division. I spoke to actual Emmanuel Sanchez last week. I, we have a, an episode coming out with him, to be honest, tomorrow. Oh, cool. Cool. And he's he's leaving the division. Oh, is he going down or up? He's going up. He's going to lightweight. Okay. Right? So then you take him out of the picture. You've got the win over him. It's going to move you up automatically. It puts you that much closer to the rematch with Boric, what I think could be a very different fight. Oh, I think so. I'm glad that you, you see it, you know? 
it's coming though, man. I think I'm just kind of curious on how this division's going to play out. Just with realistically, it should be uh, AJ and you give him the rematch, a pimple the rematch. But I mean, they, they've been floating this title shot with Borks for a while, and he hasn't had anything booked. And his fight with JJ, that was supposed to be number one contender, fell through. So. I, I really don't know what's going on with him, and if he's going to get that fight, that leaves Pipple, and you know, you, you don't know what's happening with Carvalho and Mads. I know they called each other out, and there's that Ireland card. So honestly, the the, the way the rankings played out, and they they kind of dogged me on it again and put me at seven with Sanchez ranked above me. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't take it personally. It just means that everybody from one to ten is right in my crosshairs. You know, I can fight number nine. Number eight, number six. Yeah. Well, it all makes sense. So I got a lot more options than these other guys at the top of the division that's kind of log jammed right now. That's the way I'm looking at it anyway. So Madsen Carvalho makes total sense. That that's a yeah. fight that should happen. I mean, Boric is kind of in no man's land, in my opinion. I mean, he can rematch me or Pico. You know, I think he we both deserve it. Yes, know? like that. That makes the most sense. I, I I don't like a matchup with Boric and Pitbull. I really don't. I mean, that's not a good matchup. And what are you doing with AJ at that point? You know, I know he wanted to stay busy. So correct. So it's it's kind of a limbo up there. It's the action really is in the is in the meat of the order when you get a little bit further down. That's that's what has to happen next, right? So I just wanted to bring that up before we get into kind of like your journey because it's it's sort of a unique one. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna go back to that now. So you began at local events, professional events, but local events yeah. to Canada, BC, Alberta, that sort of thing. Yeah, all the regional stuff out here. And then you ended up doing a couple of tournaments in Thailand. How'd that happen? Yeah, so right when I turned pro, I had I had a few fights around here locally. I think I was 2-0 at the time, like Alberta, BC, whatnot. And uh, Thailand, yeah, Team Quest was opening up a franchise in Chiang Mai, like northern Thailand. Okay. And they were offering sponsorships. This is back in 2012 or 13, I believe. So... Well, their idea was to try to bring guys from all over the world, different countries, into Thailand, give us a year of training, housing, and whatnot, and build a little bit of a team. So they're looking for early pros. So me being at 2-0 and and I had an extensive amateur career whatnot, I kind of just threw a shot in the dark through an application. And they got back to me and, you know, I did a Skype interview and they, they were all in and I, I packed my bags and I was uh, gone January, I think it was January 15th of 2014 and I was going out there for the full year and when I was out I just wanted to stay busy and, and it happened that they just started making some uh MMA promotions out there because it was always just Muay Thai and they frowned upon the MMA scene and 2014 is when Thailand started allowing pro MMA in there and so I was in there at a perfect time and I was like hey I'll fight anybody really and so I, was, I ended up fighting pretty frequently out there. I think I had four MMA fights throughout the year. And what, then I had a few uh, pro Muay Thai fights just because when in Thailand, you kind of got to do it. <laughs> yeah. So it was a good start to my pro career. You know, I was, I was living as a full pro mixed martial artist on like a, on a homeless person's salary, really. <laughs> it's all cheap. I was fresh out of high school and I was training two, three times a day, eat, sleep, breathing it because that's, it's easy to do out there at that time. So it was a great opportunity for me to live the pro mixed martial artist lifestyle and just being a, an early pro, you know, it was full time. So when I came back in, in to BC after the year, 
I was, I think I was five or six and zero at the time because I had had all the the tie fights, and I was ready to, you know, take that next step. And and BC, I I got a title shot in the promotion that I was fighting all my amateur career up in here, and so that right when I came back, I had a name and I already had a value because I couldn't get anybody to fight me before I went to Thailand. Just being a one or two and zero, yeah, I had a huge amateur career in BC with multiple titles, and nobody wanted to take that risk. Like all the pros that were established didn't want to fight me because I was one and oh and then all the fellow one and oh guys Owen one guys didn't want to fight me because it was too high risk so when I came back five six and oh then I had guys willing to fight me you know and that's where I was able to, to bang out a few more fights locally anyways yeah and so in regards to the guys you fought in Thailand did you have any tape on them or is just you're just going in there kind of blind yeah no yeah it was like as shoddy as it, as it can get it was like <laughs> I, I I stepped on the scale, took a picture of it, sent it to the promoter. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea who I'm showing up to fight. It was a Thai name that I couldn't even read or pronounce. So was, there was no pre-date, like fight before way, like face-offs or anything. So literally heading to the arena, I never had a clue. Like I was like, I, whoever shows up, I guess doesn't matter his weight or what. I'm fighting him. So no, that's got to be a bonus coming back too, though, right? Because when you oh, came yeah. back, you've got a more established record. But again, there's probably very little tape on you. Oh, exactly. Like you couldn't find anything, and all they would have had is a few years prior all the amateur stuff, and and that would that's kind of outdated at the time. I was just lucky to be a grappler out in Thailand when they just started doing MMA. So they're all Thai guys, stand-up strikers. And I was able to just, you know, have a huge grappling advantage over those guys. Okay, so you come back. You're you're still undefeated. You're developing as a fighter. You probably had a fantastic experience in Thailand altogether. I did, yeah. And then you get the call. How do you get the call from UFC at that time? So I was... Eight, no, I just won the Battlefield Fight League, and that's where I, I did all my pro stuff on my first early, uh, I mean, all my amateur, and then my first early pro. Uh, went out to Thailand, came back, and then I, I won the Battlefield Featherweight title here locally, and I was headlining all the shows at the casinos here and whatnot, and so when the UFC announced that they were coming to Vancouver, I had just w- defended my title. I was 8-0, fought a guy with over 20 fights, uh, Drew Brookenshire, so it was like kind of like this seven old seven and old kid fighting a vet. Yeah. Pass that with flying colors. And I just I had a feeling that the fight was gonna I was gonna get called up. You know, I was I was training for it and the call never came. You know, I I didn't really have a manager. I just had a local guy that was helping me out. So I didn't really know the contacts into the UFC and whatnot. But I was like, hey, they're coming to my city. I'm eight no, I just headlined here, like they're gotta throw me on the undercard or something. And no call ever came. But I was still training for it just in case. And I'm a 45er. I get a, a probably got to be one of the most like weirdest ways of getting called into the UFC. I get a I, I check my like message request folder in face on Facebook Messenger, like the ones that don't get directly sent to you. I just randomly happen to click on it. The random uh, do you want to talk to me thing. <laughs> and I, I never look in that stuff, but I just happen to look at it. And I had a message from the, a Brazilian guy, and I had no idea who he was, Lucas Brito. And so I opened it up, and he's like, hey, bro, I, I can get you into the UFC. And I was like, well, that's kind of strange. Like, That sounds like a scam. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I know, I know of you. I know you're good. And I, I got this opening for the UFC. And then I was like, hey, man, like I have no idea. They haven't called me. The fight's in five weeks. Or the event was four or five weeks out, I think, at the time. And then he's like, 
yeah, you, I can get you versus Josh Emmett at 155. And I was like, what? I'm a 45. What a, but I was like, okay, if you think so. So I said, I, I like accepted the request. I was like, sure, let's see. And then he sends me over the contract. He sent me all the paperwork. <laughs> I was like, hey, this is crazy. Uh, signed it anyways, sent it out, and then the fight gets announced. I just thought it was a joke, but I was like, whatever, I'll do it anyways. Okay, hold on a second. That sounds like a bit of a sucker fight, man. Josh Emmett is a huge lightweight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> massive. Yeah, and, I'm, and that's what I mean. And I'm a tiny featherweight <laughs> on four weeks' notice. I was like, hey, these guys didn't want me to – they didn't want me on the card, and now they they pull me in last no, short notice. I guess he was supposed to be fighting – one of the guys, um, Andrew McKinnis, I think his name is from out east, Alberta, I think he actually was. He was supposed to have the fight, and he was dragging them along, and then he uh, he backed out last minute, for, gave, didn't really give him a, no, a reason. And so they ended up giving me the fight, and I got it through this guy that I've never met before, messaged me on Facebook, signed the boat agreement, and I was a UFC fighter. And then, and then it ends up a week later... Emmett hurt his shoulder right before fight week, and they threw in Alex Ricci, another, like, debut guy, and he was a Canadian, because I guess the work visa and all that, and so yeah. it was a, actually a, a great stylistic matchup for me, turned it out to be, I won the fight, and I was able to drop down to, to 45, my natural weight class, so it's kind of funny, I I was going into, like, a not-too-favorable matchup no. at the time, <laughs> no. into a great matchup, and then I got to drop to my, my natural weight class. And then now Emmett's a 45 and I'd love that fight. So it's just funny how things go full circle. Okay. So, yeah. So you, so you win your debut. Yeah. They offer you a contract, obviously. Yes, sir. Not doing me any favors. They're like, Hey, you're going to Brazil in Fortaleza against hometown Fortaleza and <laughs> Honey Jason. Honey Jason. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Sign me up. Uh, go into hostile territory. They, chant the Uvo Mojea at me and all that stuff. And I go up there, I get the job done and I win. I'm guessing the so, first fight was a one fight deal, correct? Uh, no, that no, that was the that four fight deal. That was uh Oh, they give you a four fight deal right off the bat. Yeah, but it was at 55. Okay. So I took it. I had to wait a little longer to be able to drop down to my natural weight class because I took that first one just to get my foot in the door. Okay, okay. They don't do too many shows in Canada, so... That's right. All my fights, I'm going to be fighting hometown guys. And they get me, hey, you're fighting, you know, Boston native Kyle Bokniak in, in New York. So I was like, all right, he's going to have a lot of hometown support again. And uh, <laughs> send the Canadian out there. And uh, I go out there, I get the job done. Then my last fight on the deal, of course, in typical hostile territory fashion, they send me out to Australia to fight Australian Alex Volkanovsky. Uh, that one doesn't go my way. That's the first fight loss of my career, the last fight on my deal. And I had a, a lot of complications with my management leading up to that. That's a story for a whole nother time. Okay. There was just a lot of, uh, yeah, lying and whatnot. And I ended up getting rid of my management right before that last fight. And so I was unmanaged. And when I fought out my contract, I'm, I'm dealing with the biggest organization in the world and I don't have any management or any guidance. And I'm a 23 year old kid. So I, uh, obviously messed that one up and started looking for other other stuff because things were taking a while it was my first loss and i didn't want to wait around and the ufc said hey we want you to to wait a little bit while things get moving in the division and then we'll re-sign you and i wasn't really interested in waiting that long so i was i said yes absolutely keep me in the loop but i'm going to be looking for other options as well and a few months later i got an offer for uh 
Brave Federation, which is like a Bahrain MMA organization that was just starting up, and they were willing to pay a lot of money and pay pay pretty good and keep me busy. Okay. I was like, hey, let's do it. I signed, and they had me fighting. I think a month later, and that one was a pretty crazy time, man. I was, I fought in Morocco, and then I fought in Saudi Arabia right around Christmas, December 28th. Okay, so yeah, see, that's what I was trying to figure out. Cause to me, it's how do you go three and one in your yeah. first contract with the UFC? Your only loss is against a monster. The eventual champ, yeah. The current champion, right? The current champion. In his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And and suddenly you're fighting in Morocco under a promotion I didn't, I've never heard of at that time. So it, it always made me wonder, like, how did that happen? Now, I know the UFC has ditched fighters in the past just due to their styles. Yeah. Right? They've passed on certain guys because they don't find them flashy enough. Yep. Right? So I was wondering if that happened to you or I guess, obviously, in this case, it was just a a, a confluence of different things that happened, including no management and then a, a lucrative offer you couldn't pass up, right? Yeah. So it was a bit of all of it. It was... I don't think they were giving me the the quickest treatment. You know, if I was a guy that was out there and just slanging and banging and brawling with all these guys, then I would probably have would have had a next contract sitting in my mail for me. But because I, I'm a heavy grappler and a Canadian, not really the market for them, they were able to take their time, I guess. They weren't in a, a huge hurry to re-sign me. They're like, yes, we want you, but we got the, the summer. Dana White looking for a fight. We had Contender Series and The Ultimate Fighter all going on right now in your weight division. So we want to let things smooth out and we'll look to get you right after the summer, September, October. Yeah. And that just kind of wasn't what I was interested. I was, but I wasn't. If I could find something sooner, I could. And in my contract with Brave, I had them put a, uh, a UFC out. So that means if the UFC wanted to sign me, I was able to, uh, to leave. leave them and go straight to the UFC. So I was like, hey, perfect. I can stay busy. I just had my first loss ever. And I wanted to, you know, get right back in there. I didn't want to sit on that loss and for uh, like an inde- indefinite amount of time. Yeah. I won the two Brave fights, big knockouts. And I was like, okay, here, we're going back to the UFC. But then at the time, right right before my last fight, I meet my manager, Ali Abdelaziz, who's a huge manager in MMA. He's got all the top guys. He's yeah, he's, he's massive right now. Huge, yeah. So I was in Vegas at the time and... You know, he he wasn't really managing me. He was just helping me out because I was just in limbo fighting in Brave contract. And all I could do is go back to the UFC at that time. And so I fought that contract. I won that fight. And right when I thought we were going back to the UFC, he calls me and he's like, hey, PFL is doing another tournament and they want you in the 2019 season. And I just fought, you know, December of 2018. And the money was better than the UFC, and I had a chance to win a million dollars, and I was guaranteed four fights in the year. And I was like, you know what? That's where we're going. You know, I'm 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 not one of these fighters that has to be in the UFC to be famous and rich and whatever. I was like, I've been to the UFC, I've done the UFC, and now I'm fighting for you know belts, money, and championships. And if the PFL is where it's at, that's where we're going. You know, that's where they're paying me the most. I have the most opportunity, and so I took that. And uh, Oh man, I've kind of been all over the place, you know. So then that season, honestly, goes the way it goes. You know, I get my my first fight of the season, get a last minute opponent change at the weigh-ins. They switch us up because two guys miss weight, my opponent and another guy's opponent, so they just pair us up instead. I have a guy I've never seen, no footage on, nothing from Brazil. He's thirty-two and one, <laughs> zero footage, and he's a southpaw. And I was like, okay, so let's do it. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. 
I had a, a bad performance. I was trying, they, they do points. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there and try to knock this guy out in the first round and I'm going to get six points and blah, blah, blah. And I went out there, the guns blazing, ended up getting caught, lost that fight. And it just was an eye opener. Like, hey, like anybody can get caught like 20 something seconds. And I was like, I never thought that would happen to me ever. And uh, they, I rebounded in, in the regular season. I got to fight um, Steven Seiler. So I win that fight. And it, Funny enough, it pairs me and Luis, the guy I had just lost to, yep. up as the first round in the tournament, the two in one night. Here I am. I get a rematch in a fight that I wa- I was dying to get a rematch on because I believed I was the better fighter, and I got it four months later, which is something you never end up getting. You know, nothing never really happens. You know. Yeah, that's unique to PFL, really. Yeah, so I I end up avenging that loss. You know, finishing him in the second round biggest high of my life you know i go in the back and i'm like all right now i gotta do it all over again so i have a second fight in that same night you know i end up getting caught in a guillotine is what it is you know it's a tough that was a weird uh weird dynamic hold on why was that fight this uh, determined a no contest so after that you know i go home i'm upset but hey i had two fights in one night and that's something I check it off the bucket list. You know, that's something I can say I've done that not a lot of fighters can ever say they've done. That's right. And then the drug tests all come back. Ah. Uh. All fighters are clean except for two fighters. <laughs> the Brazilian kid I fought in the first round. No way. And the, and the guy I fought in the second. So both guys, <laughs> out of all 24 fighters, two people pop for testosterone and steroids. And they're both my opponents. I fought both of them. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, oh, that's just the Kennedy luck here. So, that they left the first result the same because I had won. So, there's no point in changing that. Yeah. Um, they suspended him. But then, because the second one was a, a loss, they made that a no contest. Okay. And then they brought me in for an alternate in the finals. I made weight. They paid me. I got to go to New York. And uh, that was about it. I, but since I had made the semis, semifinals it automatically locked me into the next season and so i was just kind of waiting for 2020 season and i was down in california training with khabib and and all the the russians that ali had put the connection in for me yeah and uh that was right in march 10th you know so right before covid like everything borders start closing and that's right everyone starts shutting down and i'm out in california and i was based in las vegas because i was doing most of my camp there so i it was like a fr- a Monday that I flew to California, and that's when everything was shutting down, closing. Everyone's freaking out. No more like borders are closing. So I got out of there and I flew back to Las Vegas, and I was like, all right, I'll just stay in Vegas and train there and whatever. And so I was in um, I was in California, flew back to Las Vegas. That was a Friday, and by the Saturday. Everything in Las Vegas was closing on Monday. All my gyms, everything. So I was like, you know what? I'm getting back to Canada. Yeah. Booked a one-way, flew back out to Canada. And I was just kind of in that quarantine where the whole world was. And uh, PFL canceled their entire season. That was supposed to start in April. So that kind of left all the PFL fighters kind of in limbo, didn't know. And they decided to keep a lot of guys and pay them stimulus checks. And I had my manager, Ali, work to get me out because I didn't want to wait they were completely canceling 2020 and starting May of 2021, which was like 18 months. Yeah, yeah. So, so he got you in the Bellator. Yeah. So he pulled me out of you uh, a PFL, and he was able to get me into Bellator in that same year. And I had my f- first fight with them, you know, in November of, of 2020, and here we are. So that's kind of how I bounced everywhere. That's crazy. Yeah, you could probably count it on one hand 
the number of MMA fighters that have fought in all three promotions yeah. when, it, when it comes right down to it, right? Yeah, but I think it's just me and actually Rory McDonald. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Probably, yeah, not even Pettis. And I would like to add that I'm the only fighter that has a winning record in all three of the promotions. Yeah, that's, I found it interesting too, right? You, you would technically have one loss in each promotion. That's it. Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. So I did not know that you were managed by Abdulaziz. But now that I do, I've got to ask. He's got a piece of uh, Eagle FC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I know he's doing a lot of the, the, the matchmaking for it, I believe. Okay. I've been back in Canada since all that got announced, but I know he's he's got to be involved because he's so close with with Khabib. He's got to be. I imagine he. I, I imagine he's got some skin in the game on on that that side. He's definitely helping put together. I'm sure he's got all those connections and and all that. So I'm sure he he's got some sort. And I I know he used to matchmake for the World Series of Fighting, so he's a good matchmaker. He knows how, the connections to get these guys fights and. Uh, I'm not sure what his role is at all in there, though, so I can't really speak on that. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Now, I mean, <laughs> he's your manager. Yeah. How many fights you got left on your Bellator contract? One more. So we're actually looking to renegotiate before I, I book my next fight. My first thing on my agenda is kind of getting this new contract, new four-fight deal. Just because I, I love Bellator, I want to I wanna find a permanent home, and I'm tired of the bouncing around thing. Yeah. I've been successful bouncing around, but I want a home, you know, and... uh I love the Bellator featherweight division. I want to win that title. I want to climb these rankings. I love the top 10 and I love all the possible matchups. So I, I just want to get that security and that know that I'm, I'm in for another four fights. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't think I've had a second contract in any promotion I fought for. So I like, I really want this one now. You know, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I think you fit the division well. I, I think yeah. with what you showed in the last fight, it's good to have you in that division because, one, you've got a skill set that matches well up really with anybody. Yep. And then, two, you're sort of a gatekeeper for people trying to come up. If they, I mean, if, if you would have put them against the grapple to see what they could do. Yeah, test them to see. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right? So I think it'd be nice if you stayed. <laughs> okay? I'm a big fan of Bellator. I love the Bellator promotion. I think it'd be nice if you stayed. I just thought there's a possibility, given with Eagle FC, depending on what they do, you could go there, considering the connection, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I'm done moving around, though, honestly. I was like, if anything, I'll try to get over to one championship and check them all off my list. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe have a, a show and a fight in Risen or something, but no, I, I'm kidding. Uh, Bellator is kind of where I'm, I'm definitely hoping to stay. I think Eagle FC, honestly, I think Eagle FC will be a problem for Bellator. I think it'll yeah. be a problem because I think they're going to be very more of a direct competition to each other than anything else that's out there. One and Risen, maybe they compete a little bit with the PFL, you know, but the PFL is kind of its own animal. Yeah. Bellator is the primary competition to the UFC, but I think if the, if Eagle FC comes in, then it takes a piece of that pie away. Yeah. Well, so, well yeah, it all depends on how, how they can uh, put this first card together. You know, I think just the Khabib name in general is going to make the whole organization a lot bigger just right out of the gate. So I think that's going to be a huge help for them. Well, and it's going to make everyone take a look. 
Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Tune in to see what it is. But it, it's really, it's like their pilot um, events. You know, their first few events are going to be make or break for them. If they're duds, then the, then the whole organization could be a dud. You could have great fighters, but if they aren't great fights, then you got a problem. Promotion, everything matters on that. Yeah. You need household names to get the average guy, you know, tuning in as well. So uh, that, all that considered. But I think, you know, they know what they're doing. And uh, I'm curious to see how, how it all plays out. Yeah, me too. No, me too, man. Yeah. And then you got the WFL too, that new, have you seen that? The World Fighting League or something like They're that? They're slowly putting that together too, yeah, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll see what, I mean, it, it could happen. It may not happen, <laughs> right? That, that'll be interesting. I, hey, all the more avenues for fighters, the better for me personally. For sure. I'm a fight fan in general too, so I just love watching fights. And knowing I don't compete against them and stuff like that, it's a little bit more uh, enjoyable like i love watching ufc featherweight fights now that i'm not in the division because it's like i get to sit back and just watch my same division but it's like no conflict of interest and no potential oh i gotta study this guy because i'm gonna fight him where bellator it's like i got my notebook out and i'm just glued to the screen watching these featherweights fight you can't enjoy the fight as much no for as a just a fight itself you know so so i gotta ask you out of the three big promotions you fought in which was most enjoyable Honestly, Bell- I know it's uh, a cliche answer, but Bellator, where I'm at now, is I feel like the most competitive right away. They put out the rankings. They had that Grand Prix, the tournament that was just finishing up. They've got long-lasting guys in the division, and they put me to work right away at like high-end, you know, on the main card. Coming event, my last one. Main card, the one before that with Borix. So I, I, I love the division, you know. So Bellator's been awesome in that sense. And uh, the UFC was fun just for the traveling aspect of it, you know. Yeah. They, they had me all over the world. I was a young kid. I was still growing and in the sport in general. I think I was there a little young. Not not young, but more green, I guess. I, I'm a way more complete fighter now, way more uh, mentally, physically. I'm just a, more established, you know? So I think um, where I'm at right now and the mindset I'm at is where I'm, you know, the best organization so far. Well, possibly I could be in right now. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's, that's good to hear. You know, I hear it from a lot of Bellator fighters, man. Yeah, they treat it. They treat as well. Yeah, right. They they treat the fighters well. You get a lot of freedom within the organization, right? You don't feel like as much of a number. Yes, exactly. I feel like you get a little bit more say and a little bit more value. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good to hear, man. Okay, and I I know you want the Borch fight again. Of course, you want the rematch. But outside of outside of Borch, who would you like to fight? So I, I, honestly, I would love I would love Borix. I want that one, but like I said, I don't think they would give that one right away. I think that's a few fights away. Yeah, I want Carvalho. I know I know him and him and Mads make sense for the European scene, but that, that me and him have been going back and forth, and he's he's a mouthpiece. You know, he's a trash talker. <laughs> yeah, big time. I feel like he's the uh, he's like that one little like, guy that all the whole top ten is just sharks circling around in the water. All of them want him. You know, he's getting called out by everybody, and he's, he's probably arguably the easiest fight in the top 10, but uh, he called out Mads, so it's like, dang, you know, that's the fight that he's going to get. It's like, Mads won the lottery, you know, he got the, so he's got a one-up on us all, so I think that's the fight that's going to happen. I don't think he's in the running for, for my next fight, but I would love that fight as well, but uh, they have me at seven. I don't I don't mind fighting the, the vets, you know, even the, the Y-Chills. Yeah. Pitbull, if they give the title shot to Borix, I would love to fight the ex-champ, the longtime Bellator staple. You know, I, I think that's a huge platform and a huge audience for me to to showcase. And that's a tough fight, but I would love that one as well. So, I, I mean, I got Murder's Row above me in the rankings. And 
honestly, I would just love any of them, really. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's a, it's a stacked division, man. I'll tell you what needs to happen. What needs to happen is Bellator needs to do an event in Canada. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, seriously, let's go. I love that. I've been waiting on that, man. I don't understand why they don't. Yeah. I mean, I understand during, you know, COVID there are issues. Yeah. But when things settle down, Bellator needs to come north of the border, man. They really do. They've got a lot of guys, too. A lot of Canadians. Josh Hill, Mandel Nalo. That's right. You know, a lot of guys just in BC even. You know, me, Gibson Jr., so they could stack a full Canadian card, and they would that would do well here. Yeah, and you're you're not talking about guys that haven't done well. These these are all guys that are competing very well in the Bellator promotion. Uh, yeah, a few of us are ranked. You know, did you get to see the uh, the Josh Hill knockout of Scoggins, or were you backstage? Saw it a little bit. Yeah, I saw <laughs> the monitor. I was like, oh, it's go time now. You know, I was expecting that to go off the fives, and yeah. I was all warmed up, ready to go. And then I see the dude get slept, and I was like, all right, now it's my turn to work. <laughs> So I didn't see it too much. It was just on the the monitor. I was happy for him, though. Oh yeah, man, I was I was thrilled. Like I want as like so I picked both of you to win. I picked both of you to win, but and not just not just because I'm Canadian. I, I just <laughs> I just looked at both as I don't know. Hill was just the far more veteran professional. Yep. And I had a feeling you were gonna go to your wrestling, which would be enough, right? So that's that's what I went with, but. You would have got a good return on me, at least. Those freaking bookies. I really wanted Hill to get the win when when Buddy didn't make weight. Wait. Yeah. Which is something I wanted to bring up. So, it's been happening more and more lately. Yep. Fighters are just casually missing weight. It's an issue to me, man. Honestly, it's it's uh, there has to be more of a penalty. Because you get a lot of these guys that are, let's say, fighting for 10 and 10. Yeah. 12 and 12 or whatever it is if they miss weight you know that's the, the other opponent has to you know oh he looks like a, a bitch if he doesn't take the fight but i mean what's 10 20 percent of that purse is like two grand or something like that and now this guy's got a huge advantage to win which yeah. is double his money correct it's almost like an investment for these guys that aren't cutting hard weight and just missing weight and uh taking the penalty and just being a lot bigger than these other guys you know so uh, there's got to be some sort of fine line where these guys are very terrified to miss weight because right now i don't think quite think 20 or 30 percent is enough is deterring these guys from missing weight which gives you such an advantage over these other guys you know yeah i think the way it should work honestly is if you miss weight your show money goes to your opponent oh and you can only get the win bonus yeah see that's a good one yeah, I like that because I don't like the you know deducting a point, affecting the actual fight itself. Yeah, or like fighting with a minusing a point and whatnot, or handicapping them at all. But yeah, no way. Or something even very high, like yeah, like a hundred percent of fight your your show money because that's supposed to be you making weight. That's your job. That's correct. Your first... That's what you're getting paid for. Yeah, that's your first check is showing up and making weight. The second check is the the win. So, I mean, you can only go out there and if you win, you get, and you still should lose a percentage of that. Yeah, 100%, man. And I mean, you you say it like, you know, you don't want to look like a bitch, right? You don't want to turn no, down the yeah. fight. But I think it's more than that. A lot of cases, you, you can't turn it down. You need the money. You need the money. Yeah, you've made it that far. And it's like, I don't have the, the opportunity to, to, to turn it down. Or the, yeah, you have no choice. If you're one of these guys at the top of the promotion, you're making a killing, you could be like, you know what? No, I'm not taking the fight, whatever. Because you already have the money. 
But then that looks so bad on the promotion because the promotion's relying on you. If you're if you're a top guy, you're probably a pretty high billing fight that they don't want to cancel last minute, so they're kind of relying on you. And it's just a sticky situation to put a guy who's already done his work in to make a, a decision like that. You know, it's just not fair. So, so that's that's the first thing that bothers me about it. Right, is the fact that you're giving up a huge advantage to your opponent and they're not really being penalized that much for it. So that's the first, that's the first problem. The second problem is nowhere in your, your record. Does it stipulate when you've lost to someone who didn't make weight? Yeah. Or short notice. Yeah. (laughs) A little asterisk too. Yeah. There should be an asterisk because you get guys that come in and, you know, it's like, oh, what's his record? Oh, it's, you know, 12 and 5. Like, oh, okay, so pretty yeah, good. Well, this- but, it's like, but hold on a second. You know, three of those losses were to guys that didn't make weight. <laughs> or gained, yeah, missed weight by four or five pounds. It's like- so so what is he really? Is he is he really 12 and 5? Well, no. No, he's not, right? So I, I really think that those fights really shouldn't count. They should almost be no contests. You know what I mean? Like, everyone gets paid. Everybody gets paid. But it doesn't affect your record. Right, because I've seen guys now suffer for people missing weight multiple times, and it, and it's the complete trajectory of your career. Yeah, you know, some guys could, it could be the last fight on their deal. Like, who knows? They could take a bad loss and never be the same, or or bounce two fights skid, and I don't know. It just it could completely change the trajectory of a lot of these guys' careers. So that's right. That, but that's that also comes to management. Yeah, if you're if you're living fight to fight, if that paycheck is is very important. And you get burned a couple of times because your opponents haven't made weight. Yeah. Suddenly your record looks bad. The promotion doesn't want to keep you or they're in a advantageous position to offer you less money. Less, yeah, for your next negotiation and whatnot. Yeah. So it's- there's so many factors that, that can burn the fighter if their opponents don't make weight. Like if I'm, if I'm you and my opponent doesn't make weight, man, I am ticked. Yeah. Oh, I'm just. Making new stipulations in my contract. I want a hundred percent of his bo- of his purse. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm moving forward with that. Anybody who misses weight with me, I'm like, yeah, I'll take the. Give fight. me your show money. I want, <laughs> I want that purse. Yeah, what are we getting paid here? <laughs> it's just it, to to me, it's the biggest problem in MMA right now. Absolutely, and it's just like the you never know how hard these guys are cutting, and it's like, oh, I know I'm not going to miss make weight, so why am I going to kill myself to get very close and still miss weight? Yeah. So, yeah, so now these guys are coming in completely fresh. So, don't like it. Yeah. yeah I'm with you on that one. It's cool talking to you. Before I let you go, is there any uh, social medias you want to shout out to our fans unless they can follow you on? Oh, yeah, please. Um, so, a lot of my content is, is all through um instagram jeremy kennedy 145 and then uh on twitter i just recently started really getting into sports betting and i'm gonna start pumping out some content and some some picks and what, what my plays are and that's uh jeremy kennedy wc so either of those two handles i got a lot of fight content on instagram and, and fight picks and bets and stuff like that on twitter so check me out right on hey if you're doing the picks thing i'll stay in touch with you i do all the picks for us Okay. We can we can do a little you know back and forth on our picks a couple of times on Instagram or something like that, right? And bounce some bounce some of our uh, followers back and forth to each other. I like it. Yeah, let's do it. Perfect, buddy. Perfect. Yeah.